Welcome to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. This episode is sponsored by Idlewide, a women's retreat. If you, like many of us, work for yourself, you know what it's like to sometimes feel stuck. Do you sometimes feel like you don't know what to do next to grow your business? Idlewide is a retreat for current and future women entrepreneurs who want to better their business with intentional guidance and support. You'll learn from fellow female entrepreneurs over three days in New Orleans while enjoying the space and time to soak in their expertise and put your plans into motion. Idlewide was founded by two amazing female entrepreneurs, one of whom has been on this show before and is one of my personal favorite biz besties and as a member of our Boston-based in-person meetup group. And together, they're kicking off their inaugural retreat in May 2020 at Stay Alfred in New Orleans. Stay Alfred is the signature sponsor of Idlewide and offers upscale travel apartments in the world's best downtown neighborhoods, so you know it's going to be a super amazing fun event. If you envision a life where you're in control of your work, daily routine, and time, this retreat is for you. Founding member tickets are now available for special pricing only until December 15th, so you want to get on that right now. Learn more and apply to attend at www.idlewide.com. That's I-D-L-E-W-I-D-E.com. Now on to the show. I'm so happy to be here today with Heidi Luera, the founder and CEO of Raw Artists and also the founder of The Work of Art, a no-nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs. I'm so excited to hear about both of these things today, Heidi. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Can you start by telling us how you started Raw Artists? Like a little of the background there, what exactly is it? Why don't you give everyone kind of the overview of what it is and how it came to be. And we'll start there. Yeah. So Raw is the world's largest independent arts organization. Um, We started 10 years ago in Los Angeles. And our mission is to provide tools, resources, exposure, and education to independent artists and creative entrepreneurs. So we do that both online and offline. We have an online platform at rawartist.com where artists can have profiles and showcase their work through photos, music, film, whatever they might do. And offline, we do that through uh, showcase events in 70 cities around the world. So we're in every major metropolitan city you can think of, pretty much in the U.S., Australia, Canada, and we launched in Mexico last year. Wow. Um, Yeah, so we showcase filmmakers, fashion designers, musicians, beauty artists, and hair and makeup accessory vendors, handmade crafters, and technology artists is kind of a new field for us that we just opened up submissions for. Visual art, photography, sculpture, all of that. So we are this weird, (laughs) fun, creative little circus of creativity that happens on a quarterly basis in most of these cities with all local artists that are in that location. That is so cool. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, I imagine you're probably, you were an artist first and then you were like, this is the thing we need. Like, how did that actually come to Exactly. I started my own clothing line when I was 19, like fresh out of high school and I just moved to LA and I was looking for a place to showcase my, my fashion. 
and also sell directly to consumer because I had, you know, a small line that I could sell one-offs of. And I really found nothing and I tried swap meets for a while and that really wasn't my jam. And then I had friends that were in bands and were also visual artists or fellow fashion designers. And I thought it was really imperative that somebody start a platform. And when I found none of that, and this is like MySpace days, this isn't like Instagram didn't exist yet, Facebook Mm -hmm. didn't exist. This is like 2005. So it was a much different landscape for independent artists where there wasn't a lot of these in-person collaborative showcases. And there's tons more now. But yeah, so I kind of took matters into my own hands. I, I ran a showcase for three years and ended up deciding that maybe fashion wasn't what I wanted to do. And this was more my calling because hmm. it was so rewarding to be able to provide artists with a place to be seen and heard that didn't exist before. And I felt like I really could understand both the business side and preparing them for the opportunity as well as understanding the creative and artistic side. And I think that's kind of been my strength as a creative and a business owner is kind of understanding both sides of the fence there. So yeah, I started my own showcase and it was a complete accident. I thought it was going to be a one-time thing in LA. I did not expect it to go beyond that, or at least was just not thinking in a bigger way at, at that point. But people started coming to me in droves, wanting to participate, you know, recommending bands and fashion designers and artists to me. And suddenly I was like vetting them all and being like, yes, they can come in or no, they can't. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, it was like a tastemaker all of a sudden, which was really crazy. <laughs> So fun because I kind of already did that stuff as a hobby. I love discovering music and before they would break and yada yada. So it was um it was a really cool experience. I had a pretty hairy partner breakup with that specific showcase and decided to go into the corporate world and then I did kind of events and stuff on the side because I found that I kind of had a knack for events. And then decided I really didn't like doing any of those things. <laughs> and I was like, I want to go back to my roots, my calling, like when I felt the most fulfilled, which was hosting a showcase, but I want to do it on my terms and how I wanted with, without any outside influence. We had investors in the previous business and it was just, that wasn't my jam <laughs> either. I wanted yeah. to like what I wanted to do. So in 2009, Raw Artists started just with one showcase monthly in Los Angeles. And then little by little, we grew to Orange County and Santa Monica. We did these little, little baby showcases and then went to San Diego and San Francisco and then eventually all of the United States. Wow. Um, yeah. So are so, you traveling every month for those? I was for a period of time until we hired people to be mm-hmm. in those places. But yeah, so we've been going for 10 years as of this past March. And wow. yeah, it's a huge operation. <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, that's amazing. That's bigger than I was expecting when I first started looking into it, when I first heard of you. So what does that look like, like on the back end? Like, as you said, is, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. And you obviously have people now in different cities. So how does the back end of that as a business work? Yeah, as it runs now, we have 65 employees in-house here at our headquarters. They're like outside a door over there. Wow. 
Yeah, we have also our master licensors in Australia and Canada that run their own teams and have their own offices. And then one in Mexico as well. But he's like a team of one at the moment. (laughs) And then we have contractors in each of our cities that are DJs, that are production coordinators, hosts, and things of that nature. So we have hundreds of contractors, but we don't, they don't have an employee relationship with us. But yeah, that's how it works. And we fly our employees to the location that we're hosting the showcase in because we tried it the other way before where we had contractors in every city and we're finding that it was really difficult to manage quality control and whether they were doing the right things and upholding our mission. So about seven years ago, we moved everyone in-house. We're like, okay, we're doing this. Everyone's an employee, health benefits, a whole new learning curve and (laughs) chapter of um, challenges for sure. But yeah, we did that. (laughs) And it's been much better and much better. Good. Yeah, I'm sure it brings extra challenges, but then you have all those things like people who know exactly what they're doing every single time. I'm sure you have it down to a bit of a well-oiled machine now or a bit of a, like a science for each, you know, you know what to do for each one and, and how you're going to pull them off. Yeah, absolutely. After doing it for 10 years, we have a formula. We understand, yeah, all of the things to do and not do. <laughs> and it's good to have our employees here and the people that are on the ground at the showcases kind of here daily to talk and collaborate with and make sure, you know, monitor and make sure everything goes as good as it could. Yeah, totally. So how much of that, like as it's shifted, I know that was kind of, I mean, seven years ago was kind of wild now, but mm-hmm. how much of that have you had to shift into? I mean, you're obviously probably spend more time running kind of the company now than actually with a hand in the day-to-day of organizing the events or how do you kind of exactly exactly I think that's something that you don't really know when you're you're starting a business you don't understand that there's going to be levels that you grow through that are completely unexpected and not and you have to just kind of rise to the occasion and you're going to be presented with new challenges as you go so like at first the challenge was, okay, how do I manage all these people remotely? And I'm doing phones and Skypes and different things like that. And then from there, it went from remotely to, okay, I have employees in my face every day, like sitting outside. So I had to really sharpen my skills and read lots of, you know, business management books and go to seminars. And I, I took it really seriously because I wanted to be a good boss and wanted to have a great company that had good leadership and mm-hmm. after years and years and learning how to hire the right people oh my goodness because hiring uh contractors is so different than hiring employees it's a different stake in the company so i had to learn that a lot the hard way like i hired the wrong people or like people that i would want to be friends with but not people that would actually like do a good job. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, tell us one like story or one tip on how you have ended up finding better people or, or how you've figured out kind of like what to actually look for and how to make sure you're finding the right fit now. Yeah. It's still hard because people can trick you, <laughs> you know, but I think it just kind of comes with experience. Unfortunately, is like, you know, I, I don't really care about people's resumes as much. I don't care if they went to school or have a degree. 
that will tell me a little bit about like their work ethic if they made it through. Right. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't, I'm more looking at the person when I'm in an interview and I'm saying, I'm asking myself, like, can I rely on this person? And I typically also will say to myself or ask myself this question, depending on what salary, you know, they're making a year. I'll say like, if I give this person, you know, $60,000 right now, do I want to give this person $60,000 of our company's money? And do I believe that they're going to bring some type of a return on investment? Mm-hmm. And that's like a good question. Like, am I willing to gamble 60 grand on this person? Cause that puts it in perspective. I think a lot of business owners just see like, Oh, it's going to be this person. They're going to help hopefully. So it's a combination but I, I look at their personality, their professionalism. I think I've hired over 240 people throughout my tenure oh, here. Gosh. So I feel like I have a pretty good sense of like judging <laughs> someone, um, judging character, you know, from early on. But you never really know. Someone can yeah. completely trick you. Figure <laughs> out as you go, like which things to kind of, you can sort of face it on, but I'm sure sometimes you still bring someone on and then you're like, uh, yeah, maybe not quite what we thought or expected or hoped. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It, it happens still to this day. So I don't know that anyone can really perfect hiring because there is 50% of another person involved in that, you know, situation. But Overall, I would say, yeah, it's just, it's less about someone you want to hang out with and be friends with and like, who's going to be the best fit for the job, you know, at the end of the day, who who can you rely on? And I think that's the hardest part. Good people are hard to find. So at this point in the business, we have a management team, a small management team, and I don't have to run the events anymore or run the day-to-day. I'm more focused on strategy and our growth in our brand and making sure that we have all the right tools and resources for artists and that we're growing that arsenal all the time. So that's more of my job at the moment. (laughs) Which, I mean, that can be the fun stuff too, right? The strategy and kind of figuring out like, how can we make this more of what we want it to be and things like that. But do you find like, do you miss kind of like being more in the art or I do I'm, I miss working like directly with artists and I still get to we have an agency arm of our organization as well where we hook artists up with paid gigs like right now we kind of focus on murals and things of that nature because we have so many visual artists in our network so yeah I, I get to work with artists here and there on those types of projects for specific clients but yeah, I do. I do miss working directly with them. Luckily, I hear from them almost every day in my inbox or on Instagram. And so I'm able to like still have conversations about their creative work. Anytime an artist asks to meet with me, I pretty much meet with them. Like, I, I don't think I've ever said no. Like, oh, that's I, I enjoy, I enjoy hearing about what they're doing and trying to help them with the business side of things. Yeah. I mean, you, in a way you have obviously a hand now in helping a ton of artists to actually build their whatever, build their brand, build their projects into something bigger than they could have before. So that must be a great feeling. Yeah, it is. It is. It makes me, um, I forget sometimes, you know, because you get wrapped up in like, oh my God, this shipment didn't go out at this time. And like, oh my God, that invoice didn't get paid at this time. Like you're always focused on these operational things and you forget that that's the foundation that's propping up 
this whole organization that's actually touching a lot of people's lives in a positive way. And so it's important to like zoom out and I have to remind myself every once in a while, like, okay, this is stressful for sure. And there's a lot of moving parts, but it's all for the greater good of what it's supporting. And so, yeah, it does feel good. And when I think about it, it like makes me emotional. <laughs> so. Yeah, I bet. To showcase people's art, it's helping them build a business out of it, right? So it's like, you know, I know people obviously, oh, there's the stereotype of it's hard to make a living as an yeah. artist, right? It's hard to make a life with art. So mm-hmm. if you can help people do that, I think, I mean, people must be really grateful to you <laughs> and like be really <laughs> excited to be a part of this. And like, you feel like, you know, even if you're not doing art day to day, you're like, you're helping other people bring that to fruition, which is really cool. Absolutely. And I feel like that's kind of my, my calling and my duty and has been for a really long time. And I, I'm just interested in all things, all things creative and all things art and being able to help the creative community kind of incubate and learn more because I do think that amazing things happen when creativity is shared and nurtured and I think for the better betterment of our world and society that we need that and we need to be able to kind of cradle these creative entrepreneurs and give them the skills and the tools that they need to succeed and create a career because our economy would be richer for it the problems we can solve with creativity the innovations that we can bring forth are so much more rich and rewarding because they're backed by this, you know, creative culture. So that's what I've chosen to do with my time and energy on the planet to date. <laughs> yeah. So you've really found a way to make a business out of art. Essentially, you yeah. found a way to actually make it into a business and make money while still being in the art world for you. Yeah. But maybe that's also, I mean, is that also a good time to ask about the book a little bit more because is that going to tie in there like now you've put out this book exactly that's that was the impetus for um, this book is because again I feel like I'm a rare person that has I understand creatives and I also understand business people and I'm both myself so with having this you know half and half brain (laughs) I'm able to I think explain the business and the things that I personally learned the hard way. Cause I started as a creative who wanted nothing to do with business. Right. I didn't want to know what contracts were. I didn't want to do math. I didn't want to know what a P and L was or have a board meet. I was like, not into that. Yeah. I wanted to create and do the things that I liked, but I, de- I definitely had an entrepreneurial streak in me. And then the older that I've gotten as I've developed, my business, I've had to learn these things the hard way, like a lot of times the hard way. (laughs) And so I wanted to, you know, when I was looking at books for creatives, there's not a whole lot on the business side of things. And Mm -hmm. if they are on the business side of things, it's very specific and or archaic where it's, you know, and I appreciate some of the fine art world's experience, but they're writing books about like, how to use Instagram at this point. And I'm like, I think everyone's got that down, you know, or it's they're writing books about how to be more creative or tap into your creativity. And I also don't think we have much of an issue with that. I think we, our problem as a creative community isn't being more creative. Our problem is understanding our business and the things that we, the fundamentals that we need to know 
and hone and sharpen and the skills that we need to actually sustain ourselves doing it so that there is more beauty and provocation and value and innovation in the world. Yeah. Let's actually make it into businesses that can support ourselves and like make it actually not have to be a thing where you're like doing it on the side or something because you're creative, but can't make the money or don't know how to navigate the things that might help you do better and get farther with it. I love that. I think that's, I mean, I'm not an artist, so I've never looked into, I guess, books like on that or things like that, but I can totally see how that would be seriously Mm -hmm. lacking just from the business books that I have seen and things that I hear artists (laughs) say and and think. So that's, it is, it's another gaping hole that I found. (laughs) So yeah, the bit, the book is essentially, it's called the work of art, a no nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs. And it really is that it parallels with the artist's journey, everything from overcoming self doubt to working on your personal and creative brands and how you want those to be determining who you want to work with in business and how to find the right types of partnerships and networking. I also cover sales and marketing and, you know, working with patients and through failure and mental health and success, you know, because that success presents a whole nother set of challenges. And Mm. um, so I parallel these lessons with lessons that I personally learned along my journey and then I also have 15 creative entrepreneurs that I profiled in the book. Oh, wow. Um, and they're kind of shorter stories about their journeys and how they got to where they are and levels of success. Some of them are raw artists and some of them aren't. They're all people that I personally know and have worked with at one point or another. And it's that's really good too, because I think a lot of the readers so far and the feedback has been like, oh my God, I love that I'm not alone <laughs> and that this really does kind of cover the gamut. So it's a relatable, dare I say, humorous uh, story that provides real brass hacks like advice. I'm not sugarcoating anything. I'm telling you as it is, I'm giving you advice. So it's not just hey, you should do this. It's like, you should do this, but here's how you can do this also. Because we need that. I'm tired of the other books. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I love it. That's definitely my favorite type of business book too. Yeah. That sounds super useful. I mean, it's honestly, it sounds like it would be useful to somebody who's not even an artist to me. You know, I've heard from a couple of people. Yeah, that like my friend and is a lawyer and then in real estate and then my sister's in the medical field. Like I've heard from a couple of people who are like not creative at all that I've read this that are like, this is like a life book too. Wow. <laughs> this is like how to handle your life. So it's, I guess there's a little something for everyone in there, but yeah. So what, um, I mean, I don't want to make this a whole a different podcast episode, but what's like the process for getting the book done? Like, did you kind of come up with the idea and pitch that out to people? Like, how did you make that happen? No. So I self-published um, the book and I started by, you know, I think I always knew that I wanted to write a book, like a memoir or something. And I think I will probably do that at some point because I've had a very interesting life. <laughs> I think it's interesting and other people have told me so. Um, but <laughs> well then I'm sure that's the case because I feel like people are like I'm not interesting at all and then people are like well yes you are you have this or that <laughs> I feel like if you can recognize that in yourself it's probably yeah true. yeah I think I think there's some good content here but 
I had spent a lot of time over the last couple of years. Sorry if you can hear the dog barking. It is <laughs> Fridays at work here. Oh my gosh, um, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I spent some time putting notes in my phone on like the things that I had learned over the course of running and opening a business and just like aging and through life and life experiences and previous businesses and partners. And I would just have all these little thoughts kind of lined up in my phone. And I've had that note in my phone for a couple of years. And then as Raw was approaching its 10th birthday, I was like, you know, I think it's time to like really make it official and write these things down. And so I wrote them in parallel with my own story. And it was, it was a journey writing a book. Like I feel like it changed and morphed and crystallized like the more that I went into it. So mm-hmm. it took me about two years all in all to get it written, edited, all of that. I self-published it, but I had a very professional editor who knew all the people to put me in touch with for the other aspects. She actually managed it all for me, which was fantastic. But yeah, it was an investment of time and love and money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you do it like, like, would you sit in your office and do it? Or did you try to keep it at like your no, I, time, like, outside of work? Even, I tried to write at work. I cannot. <laughs> I have to be elsewhere. No, I made a crazy schedule for myself because I also got married last year at a honeymoon. I oh, had congratulations. Um, thank you. I had so many life interruptions with, and then my best friend got married right after. So it was insane trying to wedge all of this in between. But yeah, the whole process was almost two years and I had to be very regimented. So I decided in January of this year, I'd written the bulk of it last year. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and finish this this year. And it's going to come out this fall. That is my goal. And I made it happen. But I had to create a very disciplined schedule and follow that. To oh, I love it. That's good to know. I I have always wanted to to do a book. And I, I started, air quotes, mm-hmm. I started writing it like years ago. But um, but I appreciate what you said about like how, how it had to change over time. Because I started it so long ago that now every time I look at it, I'm like, actually the it's all like everything's different like I end up wanting to start over every time and so I haven't really got there. <laughs> but I'm also like you know what like what was I even thinking trying to start a book when I like trying to write a book about basically about business when I'd only been in business for like a couple years like two or three years or something I'm like the things that I know now and that I could actually <laughs> say now would be so much more useful I'm like right. glad that I waited I think but I hear right. you about like I mean I think yeah some kind of like Plan, like concrete plan because I'm always like, um, maybe this year I'll do it. And then yeah, between work and, and life. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets, everything gets in the way, but I do really want to do it. So I'm really interested to hear about your story about yeah. that. Yeah. Just count on it changing and count on rewriting a hundred times and then scrapping it and starting. <laughs> yeah. See, that feels like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm not one, I'm not one to want to like scrap it once I start. I know. I know. Good enough. Let's I didn't really scrap anything per se, but I, I actually, I did. I scrapped a couple of portions, but I rearranged a lot. And yeah, just I'm to like build a it really into organizational type person. And if I can visually see how it's going to look and flow, then it's faster for me to work on it. But mm. when deciding what, you know, chapter is going to start and finish and all that, that, that was the hardest part. It's like, figuring out the flow of the book. Am I 
editor was like, you need to parallel this with an artist's journey. And the second she said that, I was like, ding, got it. Oh, okay. wow. And, <laughs> and then it was it so easier. much easier to like make it all stick and, you know, flow. So, so where'd you find the editor? I went to a book, a business book that I liked and looked in the acknowledgement section. Smart. <laughs> her name in Cybersoft. <laughs> wow. I love it. That sounds like something I would do. <laughs> Let me see yeah. who, else, who else they used and how to basically. Yeah, exactly. Them. I think find, find the book, a uh, book that you appreciate or like that might be similar to the genre that you're trying to write to or for, and then figure out who they used. Yeah, that's so good. So is it available on Amazon or how are people? It is. That? It's available as an audiobook, ebook, and paperback book on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. It's also at target.com and some other online wow. book retailers, but you can go to my website too, and that will direct you there, heidiwera.com. And it, we also have a drop down on raw artists that's plural.com under the shop section we'll put those in the show notes so did the person who helped you kind of you said somebody kind of helped you through all of the processes of this and was that the editor that was someone else but did they help get you it placed in bookstores and things like that too or did you do that Um, yeah there's it's it's easier than you would think um but yeah when you're ready, let me know and I'll totally give you a breakdown. I was telling, awesome. you know, I've been telling friends, I could probably write a book about writing a book. <laughs> the process it was and how much I learned. And this was my first time doing it. And there's so much conflicting information on, on the internet and stuff. And like, oh my God, just being a complete newbie at this and trying to navigate you know, the different blogs and information I was getting was so frustrating. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a lot. And just even trying to figure out, like, I feel like the first question people ask is, should I self-publish or try to get it um, published or whatever? And there's just so, like, even that, I've spent, like, days researching that and getting nowhere because everyone has different opinions. Everyone has different opinions and different information. You don't yeah. really know which is fact and which isn't. But I can tell you that I have... I definitely see the beauty of book deals and having a publisher, but at the same time, it's not how it used to be where their publishers are focused on, you know, pushing you out to the masses. It's, it's not the same industry. It's much like the music industry. They don't really want to take risks on people that don't have large followings already. And in, in some cases, right. And yeah, they don't have a lot of money to give you a book advance or anything. So I chose to self-publish mainly because I didn't want my words to be super modified or, you know, edited too hardcore to the point where it was just so they could sell more because that's motivation. I wanted to write what I wanted to write and say what I wanted to say. And that was part of it. And also a huge message in my book is being able to do it yourself, right? And sustain yourself. So that was part of the motivation for writing it too. It's like, I don't want to write this message and then use like a publisher to get myself out there. I want to do this myself and show that it can be done. So if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to a different thing or see an article, it's most likely through a connection I made or something like I've done this kind of on my own to a certain extent with help, but on my own. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. And it must feel so good when you actually held that book in your hand. 
for the first time. Yeah, it was really bizarre. <laughs> it was really bizarre. And it's like thicker than I thought it would be. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, this is, I can't believe how much work this took. But it's really nice to have it all out there because it's all things that I want to share with artists. And I, I think it's really important that they know. And I just want it to be beneficial. In the early feedback that I've gotten, it's only been out for about a month and a half now, has been pretty tremendous and overwhelming. And just really good reviews and people talking about how it's their new Bible for creativity and like wow. business and art and like what a huge compliment. You know? Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, so I'm really, I'm really quite pleased. I didn't know what to expect, you know, this being my first time, but I'm really glad it's helpful. I just wanted to put all of my thoughts in one place, clear some things up, give people an opportunity to learn from my mistakes rather than, them having to go through the pain and anguish of them and you know put it out there <laughs> i'm all for that let's teach teach each other what we already know right and make it easier right. for everyone else yeah absolutely oh, i love it so what else um just in terms of like running your business and like life like how do you if you obviously have a lot going on and i know you alluded to a lot of other personal stuff that's gone on in the last like year or two too. But like, how do you just kind of, do you have anything about how you manage it all? Like, how do you, do you still do <laughs> stuff that's outside of work? Like, I know it's so easy for work to kind of suck up all your time. Like, what does your day yeah. look like and your week? And Yeah, I am generally pretty busy. I would say in the last year, well, at least since this, the book has been done, the book writing process was really intense because I wrote it after hours or on weekends. I took a total of like nine days off last year just oh to like really hone and focus because I needed a couple weeks there with like no interruptions. But for the most part, since it's been done, it's been kind of relieving. I'm like, oh, I have, I forgot what I did. Like I had free time before. <laughs> um, so now that I have more free time-ish, my job is a little bit more nine to five now than it used to be in previous years, but that's still like, I still work on weekends a lot and mm -hmm. do different things. It just depends on like what projects or campaigns we have going on. For instance, the next six months are probably going to be like a little bit of a crazy schedule, but because uh, we have some new things rolling out in 2020 that I'm super excited about, but are going to take up more of my time. So my schedule is going to go back to crazy. But normally my day is I try and work out in the morning, do like a 10 minute meditation, come to work. I use a paper planner. I'm old school. I also use digital calendar, but like I need to write things down and check things off. I do too. that person. Yep. So I try and keep as organized as possible. And yeah, I, what, what else do I do all day? <laughs> it depends on, you know, I have like, I'm a big proponent of a big advocate for block scheduling and things of that nature. So like, for instance, on Tuesdays, that's when I try and have all my meetings because I find if I have meetings on like one on Monday, one on Thursday, one on Friday, like, it takes up time preparing for those meetings, having the meeting and digesting the meeting. Yeah. Uh, so I try and just line them all up and completely overwhelm myself like every Tuesday. 
But then I have this (laughs) realization that, oh, I have the rest of the week to like work all the things that I figured out. So yeah, I typically have all my meetings on Tuesdays back to back, like all day long. And then I reserve like Wednesday for big project work. Thursday will be a little bit lighter. Fridays will be things where I'm like doing podcasts or maybe I update my website, but I'm also like working on raw stuff as well. But I'll, I'll give myself kind of that little treat at the end of the day, at the end of the week to engage in like my personal brand and kind of refresh that as well. Yep. Oh, I like it. That sounds helpful. Um, <laughs> kind of have it laid out that way. I do a really similar thing right now with my weeks. So I totally get that. Yeah, um, I think it's helpful not to like super multitask and be like running around all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And just like kind of getting in the mode of like when I like have meetings, then I'm kind of in kind of like a different kind of whole different energy. And then it's hard right. to kind of get back into myself and do something creative or like brainstorm. Like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So doing them kind of spaced out throughout the week helps. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone should go buy your book, but what would be like one Mm -hmm. thing that you would tell like artists, like what is one thing that you tell artists for who are either just getting started or looking to make it more of like a business or, or brands? Yeah. Everyone asks me this question. And if, if a listener has been listening to all my podcasts, they're going to be so bored (laughs) over and over again. It, It really comes down to determining what, you want what is your end game do you want to make this a full-time job for yourself as a creator do you want to be represented by someone that's going to help you boost your career do you want to make lots of money do you want to make just a little bit of money like you need to decide what your end goal is and then you need to work backward from there on what components you need to make that happen and that innately kind of gives you a plan that you can, as long as you're disciplined and hardworking, you can execute. And I think during that process, you need to have a lot of patience. It's not going to happen overnight. You need to know there's no knight in shining armor coming to save you and going to make you famous. It is 100% up to you how successful you are. And you need to determine what you want early on and then reevaluate it often because it's going to change as you gain knowledge and you wise up and you get older or have different life experiences or challenges like your priorities will change and the things that you want will change so I think it's really important to a lot some time maybe at least annually maybe quarterly if you're just starting to kind of reevaluate what you're doing and if this is really truly what you want so that's my biggest advice <laughs> I think that is Perfect. I mean, I think that works for anyone in business that does not have to even only be applicable to artists. So I think that's yeah. so helpful. And I, I feel like we are kindred spirits or things. I was just telling like what you, the end of what you just said was like word for word, what I was just talking to somebody about the other day and said, yeah. just in terms of like, yeah, things change, things shift. You have to know what you want to do, but also be willing to make sure you're going to reevaluate and figure out that that's yeah. what you want and how else to kind of shift things. If it changes, I think that's like probably my number one thing in business and in life too. So mm-hmm. yeah, you have to be on guard and flexible all at the same time. So yeah, it's a hundred percent achievable. People can creatives can sustain themselves in business. They can be entrepreneurs. You can be a business person and a creative and an artist. You can do it, but you have to really want it and you have to work hard to get it. And 
Yes, all of it is laid out in my book, um, but there is several, I feel like just like you were saying, or kindred spirits, I feel like there's so many other people in business that say really similar things because it's it's true. And they've arrived at these uh, statements by their own experience. And that's, you know, no one has all of the answers. And I talk about that in the book. It's like, hey, you don't have to listen to me, but this is what worked for me. And this is, I've gone through these things personally and can speak to them, but no one has all the answers and no one can tell you what's right for you. You have to determine that first. And I think that's step number one to uh, check off the list. Yeah. In business and in life and in general. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. So tell people where they can, how can people reach out to you if they want to either learn more, hear more, just connect with you in general? Yeah, personally, uh, probably on my website is the best, HeidiLuera.com. It's H-E-I-D-I-L-U-E-R-R-A.com. And I have a contact box on there. It goes straight to my inbox. I have pictures, bio, yada, yada. And you can like kind of see what raw looks like, what our agency work does. And there's a link to the book on there as well. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I think it's yeah, so helpful and useful and I just really enjoyed talking with you and I think it will be really helpful. to My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes with your favorite takeaway from this episode. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and other links are always in the show notes and we're always happy to hear from you with thoughts, ideas, or even suggestions of someone you'd love to hear me talk to on the show. You can also submit guests online at polinapr.com slash podcast. Lastly, please drop a comment on the post for this episode on the podcast Instagram at female millennial entrepreneurs to let me know you listened. Tune in next time.